This episode of Talking with TK is brought to you by Populous. Check out their Master the Art of Sales course at www.populous.com.au. Back to Talking with TK. I'm your host, Tristan Cannell, episode 67, and we'll be featuring today West Tigers and former Penrith Panther and South Sydney Rabbitohs player, Tim Grant. Tim, I've actually known Tim since since we were both kids because I used to referee quite a bit in the Penrith district. So I was a couple of years older than Tim, but I was fortunate enough to see him progress through the ranks in the Penrith district, and he was a very good player across the Harold Matthews and then SG Ball, and then pretty much straight into first grade. So it's been great to see Tim continue to progress as both a human being and also a player, and he, he does plenty both on and off the field, so I'm really stoked to get Tim on the show. Before we do that, big thank you to everyone tuning in. Really appreciate all the support. Numbers have grown substantially over the last couple of months, so I'm really pleased not only to bring you a better product, but for all of you guys to be enjoying the show. So please, if you've got any suggestions for the show, whether it's guests or format, etc., etc., please send them through at Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. Always interested to have a chat, or you can connect with me, Twitter, TalkingWithTK, same handle on Facebook, or you can find me on Instagram at Tristan Nell. Now, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to the show. Easiest way is usually iTunes or Stitcher. I've got, if you've got an Android, there is a few different players and apps that you can use to find all the different podcasts, but the easiest way probably is to check out the website www.talkingwithtk.com. All the players for the different episodes, I've got them all individualized as well as the show notes, and you can play it all directly from the website. But as always, if you have any issues, please send me a quick email, tristan at talkingwithtk.com. All right, guys, let's get to it, and I introduce Tim Grant. Special guest today is Tim Grant. Tim is a front rower for the West Tigers. He's played over 180 games for the Penrith Panthers, Souths, and also the Tigers. His representative is a New South Wales representative in 2012, and also an NRL All Star 2013. Welcome to the show, Tim Grant. Thanks, Tim, mate. Welcome. Thank you, mate. You're looking nice and fit, and obviously you've just finished training. They've probably flogged you. Why don't we talk a little bit about off-season 2018? Yeah, it's just it's about to come to a close, I guess. We um, play trials in a fortnight's time, so the hard stuff's uh, sort of out of the way, so to speak, um, and the fun stuff begins. The, the journey for the, you know, everyone's going for the same prize in the NRL, so the journey starts yeah. uh, in two weeks' time. Yeah, we're talking about, we before we started, about, you know, the team. You know, we West Tigers, the front row looks unbelievable yourself. Ben Manolino and Russell Packer, just to name a few. Yeah. It must be great to have a few big boppers with their, with you this year. Yeah, it's really exciting. And then, you know, you throw in a guy like Alex Twal that yeah. come off the back of a, you know, an amazing uh, World, World Cup, Cup campaign. I think he um, he was probably one of, if not the best prop in the in the World Cup. And I don't think he got the, the uh, recognition from that. You know, he was playing 80 minutes in the middle for a team that, didn't really have that much NRL experience yeah. and you know he was probably the cornerstone of that, that Lebanese team and 
you know, he done a massive job and he's only still a kid, so it's going to um, be awesome for us at the Tigers. Yeah, Tim, how is the minutes going to be split? Has Ivan spoken to you guys about who's going to be starting and who's going to be coming from the bench? No, nah, not really. I think that's what the trials will, will um, indicate. But in saying that, I think throughout the year we'll all play a different role. Yeah. Um, injuries, you know, suspension. Any, There's so many, you know, variables in an NRL season, but I think to have... So many front rowers with NRL experience is going to be um, a massive plus for us. Yeah, for sure. Talk to me about Benji and Josh Reynolds because that's two significant purchases over the, the off-season. And from all reports, their effect on the team has been pretty amazing. So tell me a little bit about those two. Yeah, I think so. I think with Benji, it's a matter of, for us, for the young guys that are at the, at the Tigers, is that's someone that they grew up watching and probably mm. idolising. <laughs> So to have him around and give advice and that sort of stuff, I think, you know, it's a massive bonus for us. And, um, you know, Grubby, uh, he, he's just awesome, mate. He's, whenever you're feeling down and that, he just wants to compete on everything. Um, you know, so that's a bit of, uh, it's infectious. And, you know, he's been great for the group. And you know what you're going to get out of Josh Reynolds every game. It doesn't yeah. matter if he's playing his best footy or his worst footy. He's going to compete on everything. And, um, you know, like I said, it's uh, infectious and it'll rub off on the boys. Did you, you know, when you call him Grubby, and that's his nickname, what was he like to play against? A grub? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, to be honest, he, you know, he's that sort of player that you hate playing against, but obviously hate uh, love playing with. So it's good that he's in a Tigers jersey now. But, um, you know, I think because he's always in your face, he's always on the grind, he's so competitive, he's very vocal on the field. You know, sometimes he's, he's sort of that Mick Innes sort of player that... You know, it gets on your nerves, but yeah, you. you know we'll all love playing with him, no doubt. Yeah. In terms of Josh, I've heard James Graham give him the ultimate compliment, and you just spoke a little bit about him being that team glue. Tell me a little bit about how Josh is it. Is it the friendship? Is it the things that he does off the field, or is it the encouragement on the field? That I think it's a it's a matter of everything that makes up his personality. I think um, you know he always goes out of his way to um, to have a chat uh, to make everyone feel welcome doesn't matter if you you know played 300 games or played three games or not played at all he always goes out of his way and you know includes everyone yeah. you know he was, he was here for a couple of weeks and he's already you know bonding with the boys putting on team dinners and that sort of stuff you know he's, he's pretty um, pretty unique character and a great to, in a team environment yeah you know last year you were in the leadership team with the West Tigers I'm sure that's going to continue into this season as well you're 29 now. You're not the fresh-faced 18-year-old when you were debuting. In terms of the evolution of Tim Grant, tell me a little bit about how you feel your role in the team is now. Um, I think it's a matter of, you know, I feel like I've learnt a lot throughout the last 12 years of playing NRL. I think, you know, positives and negatives. And, you know, I feel like if I can see a guy going through what sort of the negatives that I went through in my career and I can sort of get to him and give him a bit more advice uh, before they have to go through it, I think that's a positive. Um, you know, I wouldn't change anything in my career. I, I felt like everything's happened for a reason. You know, I move club and that sort of stuff, but I've met some really good people along the way. And, you know, I think it's just a matter of experience. And if I can share some of that with the young guys, it's, um, it's you know, what I enjoy. Yeah, how's the body feeling now? Ah, touch wood, it's, um, it's, it's really good. It's, um, I feel really fresh. And I think having so many new guys and young guys around, it, it, it brings you up every day. It makes you feel good and... You know, I feel I feel young, to be honest. And, you know, off-season training must be tough. You know, I remember even when I was refereeing, they made us do the sand hills, and there's always 400-meter sprints. Just intriguing, what's Tim good at, and what's his weaknesses when it comes to training? 
what I'm good at, I'm probably good at sand hills. Yeah. Um, anything that's long and slow, <laughs> anything that's short and sharp and getting off the ground, I sort of struggle at. But um, I'm sort of anything endurance I, I enjoy, um, which not many people do, but it sort of suits my uh, body type. So anything long and and enduring, uh, I, I feel good at. Yeah. Do the front rollers have a bit of a competition amongst themselves when it comes to training? No, nah, not really. It's a matter of getting through and hanging on. <laughs> In the fitness drills and that sort of stuff, um, yeah. you know, early on in my career, the fitness and that was so hard. I remember I was at Penrith. I'd go home after the first fitness session and have a sleep and then come back for weights. But I think as your body adapts and you get older and, you know, you've done heaps of pre-seasons, you know how to get through it, yeah. um, what you have to do to get through it, a little bit of extra um, recovery and that sort of stuff, uh, the food you eat and when you eat. I remember, like, when, you, when you're younger... You come to a Friday Arvo or Saturday Arvo, you go out with your mates and it's it all is. good and you, you deal with it on Monday. But when you get a little bit older, you sort of make the sacrifices to, to get the body in shape and look after it a bit more. <laughs> all right, Tim, take me back to the start a little bit because people might not know this, but we actually met back in the under-15s when you were playing for St. Mary's. So before we get to that, tell me a little bit about where your family's from and a little bit maybe about your family. Yeah, so I grew up uh, in a place, Cambridge Gardens. It's next door to Cambridge Park, um, Brad Fittler sort of territory yep. out uh, in Penrith. Um, I grew up there until I was about 12 years old, then moved to Cranebrook, another suburb yep. just not far from, from uh, Cambridge Park. I played for St. Mary's since I was seven years old until I was 17 and then went into the Penrith Junior system from there. But um, I got an older brother and uh, he played a little bit of footy but um, he sort of went on the path of hanging out with his mates and having a few beers and that sort of stuff so he never sort of played rep footy and that sort of stuff but uh, I come from a family where footy is probably um, you know our main thing that we do. Yeah all Penrith supporters? Yeah well I'm from Penrith so um, growing up as a kid I was actually a Knights supporter but uh, I love Paul Harrigan Harrigan. you know I just used to love watching him just destroy, destroy teams and that and he was so emotional and physical with you know when he played. So I loved watching him. But um, yeah. you know, obviously, growing up in Penrith, uh, we used to go to the game all the time. And I used to picture myself like that was my main goal: is to put the Penrith jersey on and represent um, Penrith as a whole. And you know, I, I feel like just coming from the area, it's something you know, I'm pretty passionate about the area. Um, I tell all the boys that it's God's country and that sort of stuff. <laughs> but you know, they all laugh at me. But um, yeah, that's that's sort of my story. I'm pretty proud that I'm from Penrith and. You know, I still live there now. Yeah. Tim, you're a big bloke. You're, what, six foot four, six foot five? Yeah. Where does that height come from? Uh, I'm not too sure. Maybe the milkman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too sure. My dad's not real tall. Um, my mum's not tall at all. And Your brother? Yeah, my brother's taller than me. Um, the milkman's twice, then. Yeah. <laughs> he done the rounds. But I've got a cousin that's taller than me, and, yeah, he's a big bopper, too. So it's in the family somewhere. Yeah, were you always tall? Yeah. Yeah, I was pretty tall. Um yeah, so, yeah, from from the start I was pretty tall, but I sort of went through a wave of having a little fat kid to drop on weight and then tall and skinny, so I've sort of been at both ends of it, yeah, but, um, sure. yeah, it all worked out in the end. So, I'm assuming that under sixes would have been your first year. Did you start maybe a little bit early? When did you first find out? No, no, so, I started, I started playing soccer, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, and I was no good at it. I hated it, and, you know, I always watch footy and nagging my mum and dad to play footy so my brother was nine he started with St Mary's and I was seven so um sort of started pretty late to be honest like some kids play at four and you know I've got a young nephew he started playing when he was four or even earlier so I started at seven and never looked back I just fell in love with the game and you know still to today it's 
that's you know I love doing it. Yeah, was it St Mary's from the start? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And who was in your team? Because I know you had a great team going all yeah. the way through. The boys all kind of stuck together. Yeah, we had a pretty good team. Um, you know, I played with Michael Jennings from about eight or nine years old right through first grade to, um, you know, a pretty special moment in my career was standing next to him in a national anthem in Origin with 80,000 people, you know. So it was pretty special going from sort of under eights to the Origin arena together. So, um, you know. We had a pretty good team back then. Yeah, for sure. Now, we spoke before about, you know, you being a bit of a hothead when you were younger. What was that? Was just that growing up blues and you used to give the referees and the little blokes on the field a bit of grief? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it was just a matter of I probably wasn't that skillful. And then I'd look around and I was, you know, I was a decent size. So I thought I had to make up with it something. So I just, <laughs> just a bit of, bit of aggression. And, you know, like I said, I wasn't that skillful. So I had to make up with it make up for that and you know I just wanted to go around and I think probably watching Paul Harrigan as a kid I thought that was the only way to play footy so I just tried to emulate what he was doing How good was the Paul Harrigan and Mark Carroll that must have given you just plenty of highlights Oh yeah just you know it was mad watching them play against each other and then in origin they'd play together so you know it was it was unbelievable I can still picture them battles you know 97 grand final um you know, I remember glued to the TV. It was like Christmas Day at my house. Um, you know, we love Newcastle, and you know, I, I still remember. It, but you know, it was Chief and and Spud going at it, and then Jeff Tuvey would get in as well. So you know, it was you know, it was a massive day in our household, and Newcastle ended up winning it, sort of a fairy tale grand final. So it was good. Yeah, nice. When did Penrith start come knocking on the door? So they got development squads from probably pretty much the ages of twelve and thirteen. Were you identified as? Someone that they saw? Really? Yeah, to be honest, yeah, I was in the earlier ones and then sort of faded out a little bit. And, um, you know, I got to the stage where I wanted to play footy. You know, I, I thought that um, I could play footy for a living. Uh, you know, it's what I wanted to do. How old were you then? I was about 14 or 15. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to study at school. I didn't want to do any of that. I just wanted to play footy and everything was footy. Um, I didn't go to a, a footy school, so it was just weekends, Thursday, Tuesday, Thursday training, and then in between I'd go to a local gym um, where I was lucky enough that the guy that owned the gym was, um, he was the one year above at St. Mary's, he was the coach, so I was lucky enough to play a bit of footy above my age as well, so on a Saturday I could play like, say, under 14s and, and under 15s on the same day, so... Um, what was the name of the gym? Uh, Fit for All, down I at... I think I saw uh, that on your Instagram. Yeah, 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 yeah I'm still, he's sort of... A mentor of mine, um, not just in footy but in life as well. You know, he's if I drop in there and sort of unsure about where my career is at or or decisions on contracts and where I'm going and that, I, you know, I, I can always sound him out and I feel like he's um, you know got my interest at, at heart. So it's been good. Yeah, tell me a little bit about your inner circle because you just mentioned him. I'm sure that your parents and your partner are also quite you know strong in you making decisions. Tell me a little bit yeah. about them. Yeah, I've, I've been lucky enough to. You know, be surrounded by some really good people that have um, invested a lot of time into me. Um, you know, first of all, it was um, sort of Milton Caravas at, at Fit for All. Uh, he spent so many hours with me, just personal training, and I think it's one of them things. Now I look back and I thought, I think it's like it's crazy because at the time I, I thought that like, what I was doing was a big deal, but I was just a 14, 15 year old kid like every other kid that goes there and says he's going to make it, you know what I mean? So for him to spend so much time and effort with me was, you know, I thank him so much for today, you know. But then I um, went from there and I made Harold Matz and the coach there, uh, Bill Dowers. Bill Dowers yeah. He was, you know, he's 
one of the most genuine guys I've ever known. Um, Still to this day, because I went to John Paul too. And yeah. Bill used to be there, and then he swapped over to Terra Sancta, and he actually taught my brother at school. But I knew Bill because from the local football, and when you have when you're refereeing, yeah. he's just one of those nice guys, as you just mentioned. He'll come up and say hello, how you going, even though he has nothing to do with us really at all. Yeah. And just try to be friendly, and you get a friendship out of that. And he had a great father as well, and a mother as well. I'm sure that you would have met them in time yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, I have for sure. But um, you know, so I've been then I had him as a coach and he was so strict on discipline you do what's right all the time and there's no shortcuts and we train like so hard we, we were doing like first grade pre-seasons in Harold Matts like they were legit hard you know so we only knew one way from the start you know and then I was lucky enough uh, through the Penrith system I think it was 2005 um, one of the sponsors out there Luz Venevic, he um, he sort of sponsored our team and that and we went to England for three weeks and I think um it's a, it's a massive thing as a young guy, you know, you're playing local footy, even even SG Ball, Harold Matz, you're playing against kids from Sydney, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden you go to the other side of the world and you're playing against kids from, from England, you know, they're academy side. So we were 16, 17 at the time, you're playing against 18, 19 academy teams. Some of them guys were playing Super League at the time. So, you know, you grow up real quick and... Like the the conversion rate from that team to the guys that played first grade is pretty big, you know. Joseph Paulo, yeah. Jared Samets, Michael Jennings. Um, the team was amazing. You know, we had a real good team, but the conversion rate from that that trip that Lou um, supported was was massive. So, you know, I think Lou was a, a massive influence on my career early, just just through that sort of stuff. He's a big supporter of the junior league in Penrith, and you know, we had stuff like we had the facilities and, and trips like that that probably no other club had and it was just through Lou's generosity so you know guys like Lou I'd say had an influence on my career um, and then when I went to first grade um, Carl Jennings um, he was the strength, strength and conditioner yeah. at Penrith um, he sort of because I'm always chewing the ears off of you know <laughs> strength and conditioning is something that I've always just been interested in I think because like I said I wasn't that skillful so you know I You're always had the work up. ethic of trying to be be the best on the training field or in in the gym or not so much the best, but the best I could be. So, you know, he put a lot of time into me as well. Um, till today, still today, I go to his gym at uh, Eastern Creek there. He's got a super six high performance. Okay. So he, he's doing a lot with the local community, uh, young kids, getting them up into a high high performance environment. So he's got a gym out there. And, you know, ever when I ever feel underdone or anything, I just go see him. And, you know, we've still got a good, con- um, a good contact today. And, you know... So I've I've been blessed to be honest. I've had so many people have influence on my career, um, even even down to my manager. My manager's been great from day one. Who's I, your manager? Daryl Mather. Yep. I've had him since I was about fifteen as well, and you know he's been honest. And when I when I've needed to pull my head in a bit, he, he's been the one to tell me. And yep. you know I respect that from him. It's it's easier to just everything will be right and gloss over things, but he's been straight down the line, and he's been massive support for me, and also. Um, I've got a good mate that's my accountant as well and he, he's just, he supported everything I've done and I suppose when you go from a kid, you know, just normal kid from Western Sydney to, you know, you get a contract and you're not sure what, what to do with that, I think he's been a massive support and, um, you know, till today he's, he's been a, a soundboard for me to go and what to do with money and all that sort of stuff. He's been massive uh, for my career as well. Yeah. All right, guys, first break in today's episode, and I just wanted to give you a quick recap 
Last week I had former Queensland Reds and ACT Brumbies hooker, Sia Fainga on the show. It was a very interesting chat, and here is a quick preview from the chat with Sire. Hey, kind of, some, Anthony, uh, I got offered a contract at the Brumbies, and um, they offered, they didn't offer Anthony a contract, uh, but the Queensland Reds did. I called up the Queensland Reds coach and I said, I'm not, I'm going to come up there, I'm not, I'm not leaving my twin. Yep. Um, and then uh, Phil Mooney said, yep. He goes, uh, okay, what do we need to get you here? He just said, just give me exactly the same as I'm getting out of Brumbies and I'll go. And at that time, um, you know, we had Sterling Mortler go as captain with Gregan. You know, I had, um, we had, you know, no one left the Brumbies. It was unheard of. And I think the year before that, Mac Dido had just left. And he was like the first person I've ever known to leave the Brumbies to go to another club. Mm. Obviously, like when you're in Canberra, it's a fraternity. You never, you know, you're so close. You live in each other's pocket. No one's actually from Canberra. Well, majority of the people are not from Canberra. Uh, at that time, no one really resided or stayed in Canberra. They kind of commuted back from Sydney or from wherever they were living. They just lived there for the actual Super Rugby season and went back to wherever they were from. So... For me, to make that decision was a huge decision. So guys, if you haven't yet, please check out that episode. In the coming weeks, if you're rolling into your league, got plenty of the leaguey boys coming on. A couple of the legends, Mark Hughes and Mark Coyne will be coming on. And I've got a couple of current players lined up as well. So stay on the lookout for that. Best way not to miss an episode, please subscribe via iTunes. And if you can, please leave me a five-star review. It's also all online, www.talkingwithtk.com, so you'll never miss an episode. All right, guys, let's get back to the show. Tim, I remember in the junior refs when you guys, I think there was a year when you guys played Parramatta in the grand final. The Parramatta were hot favourites, but you guys still had a good team, but I think you had a number of injuries during the year, but then you started all coming back for the finals. Yeah. And I think you guys ended up beating them, didn't you? So, Harold Matz, we... um we got beat by Parramatta. Yeah. Um, you know, they had Jared Hayne. Mate, you should have seen their side. It was ridiculous. I remember, yeah. They had Jared Hayne, um, Tim Manor, uh, Talima Tautai, Tony Williams. Yes. It was ridiculous, yeah. you know. But um, they ended up... It was always us and them, like a massive battle. But they ended up beating us in Harold Matz. And then in the SG ball, we ended up playing... We knocked them out just before the semis. And then we played Souths. Um, you know, they had Eddie Pettiborn. Um, I remember. Eddie yep. Payer. All that St. Mary's Stadium too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... You know, the, it was it was hard to lose the Harold Matz one, um, but we ended up winning the ball, which was um, was pretty good. And then in the same year, myself and Michael Jennings went and played flag, and we won that as well. So it was sort of um, we got our we got our our day in the sun in the end. What a year! But you know, as tight knit because you guys are so tight knit, especially through the Harold Matthews and SG ball. When you moved up to first grade, was it hard to leave the other boys behind? I don't think so because at the time Matt Elliott come in from uh, Canberra and I think he identified that we had such a good good junior base at Penrith mm. so a group of us went straight into the first time squad uh, first full time squad yep. you know Jeff Daniela Michael Jennings Junior Moores all these guys that we sort of grew up with anyway so it was a it wasn't the unknown we sort of yep. we sort of had each other to, in the, in the full time squad but um, I don't think it's hard you know like I think you still hang around your mates that are playing flag and and ball and that. It's just a matter of... Do you know in the SG ball kind of realistically who you think will kick on to the next level and who won't kind of? Yeah, I think so. I, I think you've got an idea, but there's always a few dark horses, you know, like... 
I think attitude's a massive thing. Like I've seen so many guys, the talent that's ridiculous, but they just haven't haven't got got it between the ears. You know what I mean? Like they're every day being sore, rocking up, doing your best. Like I think you come to a, a sort of crossroads in your career where you got to just keep at it, or you go out the back door. And um, you know, I think that's the variable between someone with talent or someone that makes it and doesn't. You know, it's 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 hard to identify early but you know it's it's definitely there it's definitely possible yeah so after this big season SG ball jersey flag all of a sudden you're in the NRL squad tell me about the call up and how it all came about yeah so um, Peter Mulholland was our um, recruitment retention guy at Penrith at the time and he had a fair bit to do with our juniors um, so at the end of 2006 season that's the year I went from ball to flag yep. um, he said that I'd go full time um, sort of full-time, part-time sort of thing. So I'd do the pre-season with first grade and see how it went, you know. And it was pretty cool, man. Like, you, you know, I went down and there was guys that I looked up to, Joel Clinton, Tony Pulatua, um, Craig Gower, Luke Prittis, all these guys, Luke Rooney, Luke Lewis. You're like The grand final team pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. They were still there. So I was sort of in awe and I was like, I was just stoked to be there, you know. And then started getting into it. I thought, you know what, I'm not that far off. It's It's pretty much similar to what we've been doing from Matts and Ball through the, the Bill Dowers days of just getting flogged and knowing what's right and wrong, you know, being on time, um, just persevere with it, you know. And mm. so um, one thing led to another and then round eight, Matt Elliott called me up and said I was going to make my debut. So, um, you know, looking back, maybe I was a bit young and a bit early, but, you know, I, I went in there and, you know, I haven't looked back. It's been awesome. Yeah, who was the first person that you told um, I can't remember to be honest. I can't remember a lot about it. Yeah. Um, Did you try to hide it? Yeah, a little bit. It was sort of um, it was sort of informal. It was um, Matty Elliott called me over. I remember we were in the gym and he called me over and the old uh, chest press machine. He said, "Take a seat." And I sat there and he said, "Mate, this week you're going to be making your debut." And I was, you know, I think it's one of the things. It, it's it just happens so quick. You forget about like the details of it. But mm-hmm. um, I can still remember to this day how I felt. It was. Um, you don't know whether to, to, what to do. It's just, it's a surreal feeling. And, you know, I see young guys like still today and I sort of get a kick out of it because I remember what it felt like. Yeah. Did you come off the bench? Yeah, I did. I, um, I come off the bench and we played against the Dragons at Oki and I remember um, playing against Jason Rolls and them sort of guys. So, you know, they had a pretty good team at the time and, um, yeah, all my family were there and, you know, it was a pretty special night. Yeah, I'm assuming it would have been maybe 20, 25 minutes in that you get to actually run out there. Yeah. How nervous were you in that first Yeah, time I was like? nervous. I remember it was like I was on the field for like 10 minutes and it felt like I'd played 10 games. I was I was blowing because you go out there and just a young young kid, you just try to do everything at 100 mile an hour, you know, and it, yeah. you burn out so quick. But um, I think I think the the first couple of years you sort of, you're a bit of a passenger and then you start um, contributing to the team but um, you know it was, it, was a, it was a great experience yeah so it was about the third year that you actually felt comfortable within yeah I, I think you just got to get used to the speed and your body gets used to the, the grind of NRL I think yeah probably about 2010 sort of hit my straps yeah what was the biggest thing that you learned under Matt Elliott mate Matty Elliott um, he's a guy that uh, is way above his time you know like way ahead of his time in 2007 uh, we were doing stuff that we're doing now that is like new age like they're calling it new age now we are doing it 2007 like mind training meditation yeah. 
eating like holistically um you know you're doing these things and i thought oh, i've done all this before and at the time they're probably thinking matt elliott he's like a, a, a hippie or a crazy scientist or yeah, something yeah. like that but he was like 10 years ahead of his time you know, it was unbelievable like he um one thing with matty he's the smartest guy i've ever met like he he's just a he's a massive intellect and probably um you know if we had more uh buy-in at the time and it wasn't so left field you know it probably would have come into the NRL a bit earlier mm. do you think that maybe he might be able to make a comeback considering that he was so far ahead yeah his skills right now to the right team would still be pretty pretty advantage. Yeah, I think um, I think he's still got a fair bit to do with high performing teams and businesses. Um, mm. He has uh, he runs seminars and that sort of stuff now. So I'm not sure if you'd want to come back to the rugby league. To be honest, he's he's doing really well in his business, and um, you know he's changed so many people's lives. It's um, it's unbelievable. The stress that these guys have, like you see a lot of these guys that you probably would have known, like Tuvi, even Nathan Brown. Yeah, these guys had blonde, long hair when they were playing, <laughs> and then all of a sudden they start coaching. Yeah, and the stress of coaching and having to deal with the pressure of fans and yeah. the football club. Yeah, it, it was hard. I, I think that's the first time where I thought, you know, what rugby league's a business, and I was, I was sort of taken back by it. Yeah. Um, he had so much pressure on him in one of the press conferences after the game we got beat and he was under pressure he sort of used his tie as a noose and it's something that's someone that I really looked up to and you know he was he was a mentor of mine he gave me my first first grade start so you know I sort of like taken back by that and you know it sort of made me feel sick in the stomach watching that you know what I mean and I thought well this is that's what the game is it's it's playing for keeps you know it's a performance-based industry guys just a quick break in the podcast again Today's episode is presented by Populous. If you haven't checked out Populous yet and you're a business owner looking to increase sales for your business or maybe create efficient, profitable systems, I can't speak more highly enough. They've actually looked after me, helped me in terms of creating a system, a foundation for both my podcast and my side business and taken both to the next level. I actually get some personal mentoring from CEO Ro Singh. He's a close personal friend can't highly recommend him enough. So please get in touch with Ro. He's got a big conference on at the end of the year featuring Tom Hopkins. So check out the check out their website at www.populous.com.au and that is spelt P O P U L I S. Last week I actually recorded with former New Zealand Warriors captain Monty Beatham. Monty has an incredible story. And I just wanted to give you a quick preview ahead for our chat with Monty. Yeah, was that a respect thing, the fact that you didn't want to play for another NRL team and try to go as far away? 100%, man. Yeah. I grew up and all I want to do is play for the Warriors. I didn't want to play for anyone else at all. I didn't even want to go to the Super League. I remember over there on, on, on tour in 2002 and Gary uh, Freeman, who was the coach at the time, said, mate, would you come play over here? I said, never. And he said to me, never say never, champ. <laughs> and uh, and I was over there. You know, but I didn't expect to, to have that uh, sort of carry on back here in that time during 2004, 2005, where, you know, I, I became that boy uh, in that situation, which had that love-hate relationship with uh, some of the fans and, and some of the media. Yeah. But but that's that's life, man. Uh, you just got to take it on chin. And, um, and it's up to you and your purpose and what's more important to you because all I ever wanted to do was win a premiership for this uh, Warrior side and I missed out on that because um, I, I had to go overseas and they were one, it was a wonderful year I enjoyed my time there but 
you know, it's it's what you want to do in life and your direction you want to take. So please, guys, be on the lookout for the chat with Mont. Best way not to miss it is to subscribe for free via iTunes and please leave me a five-star review. If you've got an Android, there's numerous apps that can actually pick up Talking With TK, but also you can check it all online at www.talkingwithtk.com. If you want to connect with me, check me out on Twitter. I'm at TalkingWithTK, or please send me an email, Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. All right, guys, let's get back to the show. Yeah, Tim, you peak 2012 was probably one of the best years of your career. Yeah, you get the opportunity to put the blue and the blue jersey on in State of Origin. It must have felt like the pinnacle for you. Yeah, it was. Um, it was pretty surreal to be honest. Um, I think it, it felt like I was making my first grade debut again. Mm. You know, you you go from your club footy to Origin, and then you go into camp. And I was rooming with Greg Bird, and you know, Birdie, someone I'd looked up to when I was I was younger, and. You know, you watch Origin. Origin was massive in my family. It was yeah. like, like I said before, it was like Christmas Day. We'd just hang around the TV and there'd be a build-up to it. And, you know, it was... So, for me to actually get to play in that arena and have my family there, it was um, it was surreal. It was unbelievable. Tell me about the first kickoff because it is something special between, you know, just in rugby league because it was the young ball when he took on the old ball. And yeah. Petro lined you up. Yeah. Tell me what happened. Well, it was early in the in the camp, and Ricky Stewart said, um, "If if we kick off, sweet. But if they kick off, they kick to our left, their right. Um, mm. Do you want to take the carry?" And I was like, "Yeah, like of course. Like you know, I sort of we've spoke about that. Me and my brother and and our family and that always speak about that first carry in Origin is like when we're kids, we'd hang around the TV and like." That's 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 what Origin was for us. It's yeah. like let's let's that's the start of it. Let's let's go, you know. So when Sticky said that to me, I was like, yeah, of course. Like I'm, I'm pretty keen. And then it just happened. I, thought, you know, I was I was pretty emotional. Um, just knowing my family was there, and um, you know, I just eighty thousand people. It was in Sydney, so it was pretty pretty much all a blue crowd. Yeah. Um, and I thought. All I've got to do is catch the ball and then just run as hard as I can and what will be will be. So I just got the ball and ran as hard as I can. And, you know, if if I'd done it 100 times, I reckon Petra would knock me out 99. I was just... <laughs> just got that one. I just got lucky and, you know, he had one foot off the ground and it just... History, that's it. That's that's what happened, you know. And like I said, I, I, just, I honestly got lucky because, you know, he was off off balance or whatever, but yeah. um, it's something that I'll never forget. And um, did you see him drop? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I seen him sort of out the corner of my eye, and I, yeah, it was um, it was pretty cool. That must have been a great start, though, because you would have been nervous as hell. Yeah. To be able to take that first hit up and do it so well, you were pretty much man of the match in that game. That probably was the catalyst for getting that confidence. Though, yeah, I think it? to be honest, I wasn't nervous. Like it, it was really weird. I think because. It was just meant to be, maybe. Wait, Ricky Stewart, as an Origin coach, you know, I've, I've never wanted to play for someone as much as I did for Sticky in Origin just because he's so passionate about it and it's genuine, like, you know that what it means to him, yeah. you know. And Did you know him prior? Not really. I've been in a few emerging camps and that sort of stuff, yeah. but that's about it. But um, during the week, you know, he, he made me feel like I, I belonged in that arena and the guys around me, like, you got the best in the game around you it, it makes it makes it, it like I have a calming influence on you so game day I wasn't really nervous it was sort of weird um, and 
Yeah, it was, it was sweet. Who were some of the superstars in the team? Was Danny Badira still playing? No, nah, he wasn't there. So uh, Robbie was our hooker. hooker yep. um, Piercy and um, Toddy Carney were the halves. Okay. But guys like Glenn Brett Stewart, Stewart, Brett Stewart, you know, these guys that, you know, Gal was there, Birdie was there, just guys, Luke Lewis was there, just guys that, you know, I watched when I was sort of younger, make their debut and that sort of stuff. So it was sort of surreal. Yeah, with Queensland's dominance, you know, you've been on the other side of it. How good are they when you're in, on the end of it? Oh, I think, you know, when in, in 20, 30 years' time, well, people will still be talking about it, I think, you know, yeah. like Smith, Slater... Um, Cronk, you know they, they, they've, they've been awesome. But then you throw like Nate Miles; he played his best footy at Origin level. You know guys like Corey Parker, Brent Tate, Petro. Like they're just first. And where does it stop? You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's pretty, pretty cool team. Like you know. But in saying that, I think New South Wales is starting to come into that as well. You know, you look at the young guys that are eligible for New South Wales, and I think the tide's going to turn and. Hopefully we can go on a, a run like they did and we can stop talking about them. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned Nate Miles because his, his play at Origin is just second to none. He'll Unbelievable. Be, he'd go down as one of the best second rounds yeah. in Origin history. Yeah. But then when he comes back to the club, it's not that he's a bad player, but his stats go down and his aggression goes down. Is it one of those things that he's just a big game player? I think, I think for him it was more, you know, probably the back end of his career. Mm-hmm. People had that opinion, but, you know, I feel like the week in, week out, like Nate played so physically and he put put everything on the line at club level as well. Yeah. You get to the back end of your career and, you know, you're doing well just to stay on the field with the injuries and that that you've had. And, you know, when you get to the Origin Arena, you've you got to bring yourself up for one game and you put everything into it. And, you know, how many times was he the best player on the field? He's, so you know, many men in the matches. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So then the next year, another great tribute, NRL All-Stars. Yeah. It must have been great to get that recognition for pretty much your best season yeah. at that stage. Yeah, you know, it was it was a week where I really enjoyed. Wayne Bennett was the coach. I've mm. never sort of really met Wayne before, so spending a week in camp with him was pretty good. Um, guys like Willie Mason was in the team. Uh, Benji was in the team. Yeah. You know, so I got to play. Cameron Smith was in the team. That was oh, pretty wow. cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, get got to play with guys like that and just see how they did business was um, pretty special for me. You know, I was 24, 25 at the time, so I was still sort of young and... You know, I think it was a really good concept as well is the Indigenous All-Stars. You know, you get around the community and see what it meant to the Indigenous uh, people. So it was a great week. It was um, something that I'll remember after I retire. Yeah. You know, obviously Penrith, it ends up going a little bit sour towards the end of 14. It's not really your fault because salary cap was the major issue. You know, you guys had a big performing team. Yeah. And then that made you guys get contracts that were bigger and yeah. then you couldn't all fit within the salary cap how hard was it to actually leave Penrith? yeah it was it was really hard to be honest um you know it's you know i love the club um i feel that once i retire from playing footy and it's all all the dust settles and that i feel like Penrith will be my club you know yeah. i love the i love the town i love the community i love the people out there um in saying that i'll always you know, I'm always a Tiger as well, and I played for the Rabbitohs as well. I've got my player numbers there, so it's something that I hold close to my heart. But like I said, I feel like once guys retire, they've got one club, and for me, that'll definitely be Penrith. Um, you know, guys like Mark Guy and that, they've, they went to other clubs, but, you know, today their club's still Penrith. So it was definitely hard to leave at the time. It's something that I, I put so much effort into as a kid is all I wanted to do was play for Penrith, um, and I, I did that, and... 
you know, in saying that, I have no regrets. I, I left and went to South and met so many good people, yeah. you know, amazing people, mates that I'll be, uh, guys that I'll be mates with for life and some great sponsors and just just some genuine people throughout the game. And then uh, I got the opportunity to come to the Tigers and uh, this is my third season here and it's, it's been the same sort of scenario. I've met some great people. Um, you know, I just appreciate where I'm. I think I think it's you either can have expectation or appreciation and I think I'm in the phase of my career now I'm just appreciating what I've been able to achieve and what I've got from the game as well yeah you know Tim you've been like we've just spoken very lucky to play with so many good players against three brilliant clubs yeah in terms of leadership captaincy maybe not even a captain does anyone really stand out that just really had a huge influence on you in terms of leadership and teaching you qualities that you like to instill today yeah definitely Petro you know he was he was massive for my career uh, at Penrith. He come 2008, so I was like 21, 22. You know, it was, it was a perfect timing for me. He was just a, you know, someone I idolised growing up, yeah. and not so much just as a player. Like he, he was, he, I learned so much just from as a player. But as he, how he treated people, and you know, the family man that he is, and. He's just a genuine guy. I learned so much just how to be a good person. Yeah. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to play with him. And, you know, it's something that I'll remember for life. Yeah. Let's turn a little bit away from rugby league. You love cars. Yep. So let's get people a little bit of insights into the motorhead that is Tim Green. I think that's the biggest um, headache for my accountant. <laughs> I've got this car. Yeah, I've got this, <laughs> I've got this bad habit of buying cars. And I just love cars. I love Aussie muscle cars. Anything that sort of raced at Bathurst you know I've, I've got a got this desire to own so where, where did the love come from I'm not too sure to be honest I just remember as a kid always watching V8 supercars and Dick Johnson was sort of my hero um, so you're a Ford man yeah yeah predominantly Ford but I've sort of anything Aussie muscle but um, for me Dick Johnson was my idol growing up I um, you know a lot of guys were the Holden and Peter Brock yep. but um, I just I just love you know watching Dick Johnson race and you know I, I remember all the cars and it's just I don't know I think it was it was either rugby league or V8 supercars and that's that's pretty much only sport I watch so. yeah what are you driving at the moment um at the moment I've got a, a HSV a GDS so um it's on the Holden but um I've got a few cars as well so I've got a, an XY Falcon and yeah. a, a VL Walkinshaw as well so so you've got a big garage at home. Oh, I don't keep them at home. No, nah, they, they stay in, in storage. But, um, you know, I, I feel like um, after a hard hard game and, you know, the next day my, my out from footy is, you know, get the cars out, go for a nice drive and have a coffee and just unwind, you know. I, there's something, I don't know what it is. It's like I'm an old man or something. I, I like going on car club runs and just enjoying the car, you know. it's it's Unless you're into it, it probably sounds ridiculous. But yeah. I just love no no music or anything just put the windows down just drive the car and listen to it and it's like the car's got a personality yeah do you like going live to the events whether it's yeah. at Bathurst have you been to Bathurst yeah times? I've been to I go every year to Bathurst um, so whenever we're not uh, playing footy I'm at, I'm at the track so um, during the season I usually get out to Eastern Creek but um, can you test your car on the track and stuff yeah like you can you yeah. can um, but you know during the season we can only get out to Eastern Creek pretty much because we're playing every other race uh, meet other than uh, I get to Bathurst 
um, Sydney when it was at Sydney, now it's at Newcastle, and yeah. um, also the Gold Coast. So, did you go last year to Newcastle? I, heard it was I didn't. I didn't go. We were, we were training on that day. So, but um, you know, from what I've seen, it's like a mini Monaco. Everyone backs their boats. Looks fantastic. In and, yeah. I think the good thing about V8 supercars is that, and, and you know, it's so well run as a as an event. You go there, and it doesn't matter if you like cars or not. It's like a festival atmosphere. It's the place to be. It's mm. like how many people go to watch the horses at Randwick that don't know anything about yeah, horses. Yeah. It's because it's the place to be. It's an event. It's an event, and the V8 supercars they do that really well. It's well market marketed. It's just it's just a fun place to be, you know. So, um, you know, I'm into the racing, but there's so many people there that are, it just make it a great event. But um, also got a bit to do with a, a race team, at Western Sydney Motorsport. Okay. So. Um, a good mate of mine uh, runs that. He's the team principal there. So what sort of cars are they? They've on? got a few Aussie race cars. Yeah. Um, so they're like a miniature version. They run a Yamaha road bike motor, but they do like 200 k's. It's like legit racing. Yeah. And then this year they've got a couple of cars in the um, super Utes, so they'll be racing uh, diesel Hilux Utes. So that's okay. the new sort of curtain raiser to the V8 supercars. So um, when I'm not playing footy, I'm sort of hanging around their garage and. Just being a, a car nerd, I guess. Yeah, would you consider a career in some way in motorsport? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to one day is like head down the, the same path that Jack Ellsgood did. Yeah, you know, yeah. he, he raced a, he raced a V8 U. Um, but to be honest, at the moment, I'm just focused on footy and, you know, I feel like I've got a lot more to give to footy. Um, and I'm not good enough, to, to be honest. You know, these guys have... It's, it's probably like a race car driver saying he's going to come play footy. footy he yeah. can go play local A grade maybe, but he's not going to play with the big boys, you know what I mean? So um, I wouldn't be disrespectful and say I could jump in a race car, that's for yeah. sure. But as a hobby, I'd like to um, have a crack one day, yeah. yeah. On your Instagram, I saw that you did some travelling to the Kokoda track. Yeah. How was that? It was, um, it was an eye-opener, that's for sure. I wouldn't say it was enjoyable because it's not, it's not enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I went there with Ivan. Um, Justin Pascoe, our CEO at the Tigers now, they were obviously both at Penrith at the time, yeah. Jamie Soward, and also um, a, a young um, leadership group, so young guys from around the community that either were sort of going off the off the right track or yeah. they were on the right track and they just wanted to be better leaders. So yeah. um, it's supposed to take nine days and we did it in four and a half and it's the most uncomfortable I've ever been in my whole life. We walked <laughs> in mud, it was just... When people go, oh, you know, go to Kokoda, it'd be so enjoyable. There's nothing enjoyable about it, but it gives you a massive sense of respect for, you know, the Australian soldiers and also the, the kumuls that, the fuzzy wuzzies that help Australia, you know, defeat the Japanese. How'd you do it in four and a half days? Did you just Oh, we're waking up at like or? 3, 4 a.m. and still hiking at 10. Whose idea was that? Oh, well, the kids that, that we took, okay. they had to be back at school, so that wasn't a nine-day experience, but... In saying that, you, you go into the villages and they just love rugby league, you know, and, and they love Sowie because, you know, he's kicking and yeah, he's, yeah. he's well known. And even like you go in there and they know your stats. Um, they were just, they just, they just love the fact that I'd played with uh, Paul Aiton at Penrith. Oh, so okay. Paul, uh, Paulie Aiton, he's like a, a celebrity up there. And Seguiaro was in our team at the time as well. So they just, everyone was on board with the Panthers. And it was pretty amazing to walk through all the villages and, throw the footy around and kick the ball and that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, a couple of personality questions just to wrap things up here, Tim. What was your favourite ground? Oh, let's take your home grounds away now. Yeah. In terms of other grounds, where did you really enjoy playing? Where do I uh, enjoy playing? Oh, to be honest, I like playing at Suncorp. Yeah. It, it's, it's a 
it's a it's got a big game feel even if, if you're just playing um, you know just a, a, a competition game it's got a big game feel to it so I feel like that's good you know the the people of Queensland always put on a, a big crowd mm. and I think um, the Gold Coast is a bit like that as well you get up there and you might be in the middle of winter in Sydney you go to the Gold Coast and it's a bit warmer mm. it's like a bit of a relaxed uh, atmosphere and Queenslanders they just love their footy they always put on a good crowd so you know they're, they're, they're two that sort of come to mind but for me um, I always love going to Penrith Stadium just because it was what I did as a kid you know I went there with my brother and we used to sit on the hill and watch yep. which watch, hill are you on? Um, usually the, the family hill family you don't go on the beer hill if you're a kid <laughs> but we used to go on the family hill and when they'd score a try wait for the for him to kick the goal and then try and wrestle for the ball so yeah. you know they're, they're good memories that I had and I always love going back there today for sure I'm going to take you back to your childhood what posters did you have on your bedroom wall growing up I had a Falcon GT yeah. poster but um, it was mostly of Newcastle Knights so like Paul Harrigan Andrew Johns um, you know the Knights were my team so if it wasn't a, a Aussie muscle car like a, a Falcon or it would have to be the Newcastle Knights like Paul Harrigan or something like that I've heard that you've got some wild superstitions. Is this true? Yeah, yeah. I'm a bit superstitious, but um, I don't know how. I don't know what wild ones you've heard, but you could probably tell me, and I can tell you if it's true or not. Well, I've just heard that they're wild. Yeah. And then because I saw a picture of yourself and your mum, and you said that your mum's controlled your wild superstitions. Yeah, I, I think growing up, I you know I'd always have to have the same meal before before a game. Yeah. And she'd make sure that was you know she sort of helped me with that. Um, I always had the same meal. My mum would cook it for me. But yeah. when I moved out of home, that sort of changes a bit. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't know about superstitions, but mm. you know, there's a few things that I do on game day that's a, it's more routine based. And if I don't do it, I feel sort of out of sorts. But yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Final question, Tim. You're going to be hosting a private dinner party. You've got five invites. Yep. No only rules, no family or friends. Yeah. But it can be anyone dead or alive. Yeah. Who would you like to invite? Tony Robbins, yeah. the motivational speaker. Are you big into Yeah, yeah, I love watching his stuff. It's, um, you know, I feel like guys like that, they make ridiculous amount of, amounts of money from just stating the obvious. Mm. And it's something that, you know, when you're going through a hard time and that, you listen to someone like that and you, it just, it just a light yeah. in your head just yeah, goes, right. oh, you know. So Tony Robbins, I'd have there for sure. Have you seen him live on the event? No, I haven't. I haven't been fortunate enough to, but it's definitely on the bucket list. Um, Next time he's in Australia, mate. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to go last time he was here, but um, it didn't eventuate. But I definitely have Tony Robbins there. Mm-hmm. Um, probably Conor McGregor. Yeah. You're a big UFC guy? I'm not really into UFC. I just... I sort of amazed on how how they make their money um, yeah. you know it's, it's a big theatre and you know I just love the way he, he just rips into everyone and you well, know, the fact that he tricked us all and he got paid a hundred million dollars to think and he had convinced people convinced that he was going to be a chance yeah he was never going to be a chance genius genius and I think along those lines Mayweather's a genius as well because he, he sold it the same yeah he, he got 50 his 50th win and made a heap of money and you know they both moved on good on him yeah, you know sure. so um who else? I think there's so many people that it'd be hard to, you know, narrow it down to one. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not. It's a hard one. I'd probably have to think about it a bit more. But um, come back to me, mate. Yeah, yeah. But um, there'd be there'd be a few. Yeah, for sure. Well, Tim, I really appreciate you joining me on the show today. Before I let you leave, everyone, get Tim. Give Tim a follow. Twitter and Instagram. It's a pretty simple. Instagram handle. It's Tim Grant four six four. What's four six four mean? That's um. 
that's my number, player number at Penrith. Okay. So I had that. Um, I had that obviously when I was playing there, and I just kept it. I don't know why. Yeah. It, uh, you know, I love I love the, the the thought of player numbers. You know, I'm one eight nine at the Tigers, mm-hmm. and. Um, 1108 at South. I just one eight nine bags and things like that as well. No, just just on our locker um, on game day and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, our warm up shirts that will have it on it. Yeah, but cool. I, I think it's a it's a it's sort of something in common. So when you meet a guy that had played for the club, it's it's a talking point. Yeah. And, and it builds tradition, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm really big on you know representing the past. You know the guys that have come before you, and yeah. you know I think we're um, custodians. You know like. We just, we just, we're, we're hiring the jersey sort of thing, you know. Like what we do is representing everyone before us, and mm. you know the guys that take it after us have got to do the same thing. So, you know, I, th- I feel like the player numbers make you remind, it uh, gives you a reminder that you know you got to do your best and respect the club and the fans and that sort of stuff because you know the people before you have done it as well. Yeah, but forever in history that you're going to be remembered in that club. So it could be your grandchildren, your children. Yeah, they're all going to know that Tim Grant was four six four at the Panthers, one eighteen at the West Tigers, one eight nine at the Tigers, yeah, sorry. and eleven oh eight at South. Eleven oh eight, eleven oh eight, massive. Yeah, so you know it's just, but um, obviously my Insta and that's from that. From I haven't changed it, and it is what it is. No, I guess. Keep what it is. <laughs> well, Tim, all the best for the season ahead, man. Yeah, thank I you. Look forward to seeing you rip in, man, and all the best. Thanks awesome. for coming on the show. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Thanks, brother. And that, guys, was Tim Grant. We really hope that you, you know, you hope you love that show. Please follow Tim online across his Twitter and his Instagram and show him plenty of support. I think he's in for a ripper season. It was great to just to get to know him a little bit better. I hope you get guys love that episode too. All right, guys, next week we've got Monty Beetham, as we mentioned. There's a whole heap of episodes still to come. I've recorded the likes of former Bradford Bulls and also Kiwis legend, Robbie Paul, I've got six times Mr. Olympia, Dorian Yates, Tim Zhu, who is Zhu, Costa Zhu's oldest, eldest son, but he's quite the talent. He's 7-0 in the professional ranks. He'll be stopping by to tell us his story. So we've got him and we've got plenty of others. I've got a stellar week next week in terms of, I think, about six podcasts coming up to record. So it's going to go back to back. I'm going to have plenty of episodes for the entire year. So if you've got any guest requests, please send them through. Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. Connect with me, Twitter, TalkingWithTK. Facebook, TalkingWithTK. Or Tristan Nell on my Instagram. If you do me a big favor, and even if you can, just tell one person that you think might love the show, and I'm sure that they will. And I'll continue to bring all these amazing guests, which has made my life better, and I hope your life better as well. All right, guys, I really appreciate you joining me today, and I'll catch you next week for Monty Beetham. But for now, I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking with TK.